0: Golly, I I just want to sit with you. You know, um, I didn't know how I was going to react today. I just sat there and cried. I don't cry very often in my life. uh, Granted, uh, it's a very tender weekend for me. My daughter got married on Friday, so I've cried more in the last three days than I think I have in, in the last six years. I'm so glad to see you. So glad. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad you're online too. Those of you that are online, we're so glad you're online too. I I am. But but there's chairs in the room and there's people here, and I I, so am grateful. Um so thankful for today. Okay, let's get with it. That gum. Uh you know, um, over the next several weeks, we're we're going to be rolling back in, and I know people are talking about a new normal of social distancing, and, and and we will be like my mom used to always say, "This is not in the Bible." But my mom used to say, "This cleanliness is next to godliness." Right? That's not in the Bible, but um, but look, we're going to be clean, and we're going to wash our hands and all those things, and we we'll are have hand sanitizer around here, but let me just remind us of a, of a human reality. We are not meant to be distant. We are meant to be close, and, and we, we will remain close and must be close, and, and we will do that, and, and I am grateful for, for our staff and the way that, that we will roll back in and, and, and we will uh, be doing that over the next several weeks. And so, so again, next week for sure, we're gonna be in one service at 11. And so I want you to re- continue to register for that. And, uh, and then we'll just be rolling back in. And I anticipate that we will be 100% uh, uh, rapidly around here. And so I'm looking forward to that. And, and you know, it's interesting as we uh, have, have been in, this, in the Scriptures and I have wrestled with this day. And should I just do something totally different and, 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 or should we just continue to track where, where we are in the text? And, and, and here's what I've come to understand is, is, is trust in the sovereignty of God. Trust in where God has us. And, and at the beginning of this year, I never could have anticipated that, that we would take a break from meeting together. you realize we have not worshipped together in this room since March 15th? Or at Calvary since March 15th? It's June 7th. And, and so I, I never could have foreseen this. I never could have anticipated. But, but, but back in January, God led us to walk through the book of Samuel. And, and so we have taken a little break over the Easter period. But if you're with us today new, we, we have been just tracking through this book of Samuel. And, and it's an important book to understand. And, and, and actually, as I, as I wrestled through this passage today, it's perfect for us. Because as we think about where we are in the text and we're in this, this, this emotional part of the book of Samuel that feels very, just yucky, if you will. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the text that, I, that there's kids in the room today and I'm not even going to read the whole part. Because it's, it's just, the Bible wouldn't be appropriate for us to study like that today. Isn't that crazy that the Bible is so honest like that? It's always appropriate. Let me clarify that. But 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 we're gonna. Uh, but I'm gonna skip over some of these aspects and just summarize it, uh, because because it's really where we are in this text is in the middle of the sin, of David, and the consequences of the sin that's been in his life. Now now when you look at this book of, of Samuel, it's, it's it's important. We've we've looked at this. This is historical narrative. Okay, we've, we've looked at this as we've studied the book of Samuel. It's by historical narrative meaning these were moments that happened in history. And what God did for us all through the ages is he didn't leave out any of the gory details. And what you see in the book of Samuel in this historical narrative, this is a, a, a moment in history where God turned the spotlight on, on, the, on God's people. And it's for us, as we are in 2020, in in these modern days, we, we, we have this record of God turning the camera on His people, warning us and challenging us to learn from these things. And what you see in this historical narrative in the book of Samuel, it's these important transitions because they're, they're transitioning from the judges, the time of the judges to the time of the kings. And we see this in the in the storyline of the Bible, that that they used to have these judges. You remember the book of Judges? You had Samson and, and, and Ehud and all these interesting characters, Deborah, that, that were in the book of Judges. And, and what would happen, the, the God's people were in this pattern of, of they would, they would walk with the Lord, and then they would rebel against the Lord. And then, God, they would experience the consequences of their sin and punishment. And then they would cry out to God, oh, God, we're, we're struggling. And then God would rescue them again by sending another judge. Well, now the judges are gone. Samuel was the last judge. Now it's the time of the kings. And we've looked at this, how the, the children, the people of God, they failed miserably. They continued to rebel. And now they have a king that was anointed by God as David. You had Saul, and then David comes into power. And David was the anointed one of God who was given a promise, your kingdom will last forever, David. And that's happened. We still see God, the, the kingdom that came from the line of David because Jesus came from the line of David. Now, Jesus was God, but he was also man. And it's interesting as the story unfolds, David's kingdom lasts forever. And, but, but David was a flawed king. Now we understand, and we've looked at this, that, that when you interpret the book of Samuel, you interpret it not as a me. So often we read the Bible and we always read ourselves into the Scripture. That's OK at some level. You need to understand the context, though. But, but when you look at the book of Samuel, you've got to it's best interpreted as a "we, as the people of God. Because here's what's the story. Here's the storyline of the whole book: that it, this is the people of God. These are the people that, that have experienced the Lord strengthening them, providing for them, empowering them, uh, forgiving them. And yet, like the people of God, in spite of those, those experiences, we, we are like that. Oh, my goodness. We get to experience the, the, the forgiveness of God, the provision of God, the power of God in weakness. This is who, what we get to do. But yet, like the people of God all through history, we get so attracted by sin and so captivated by, oh, that looks so fun. And what happens is we forget all that God is and all that he's done. And we turn our eyes off of him onto ourselves. And this is the pattern of the people of God. And, and honestly, all through scripture, you see God saying, hey, come on, don't, turn to me, trust in me. And when I look at why this Passage and where we are right now are so important. It's so important for us because when I look at at our the craziness in our world, folks, it is absolutely critical for you and I to be a people that walk with God, that are that are repentant. I look at the problems in our in our world right now, the racism, sin. In our own hearts, the fact that, that that we as a as as a human race have a tendency to look at other people and think maybe we're better than somebody else. When guess what? God made every man. Every man. What did God do with every? human being on the earth the psalm 139 says he carefully knit them together in their mother's womb how can we look at somebody else and somehow think they are less than or not as important as the person you look at in the mirror and so, see, when I look at this passage of, of the fear right now that's in our world, of oh, no, am I, am I going to die? Yes, you are. You are. Because like C.S. Lewis articulated eloquently during World War II when he said, when people were dying of the, in the war, and he said, let me tell you something, um, war is not the, cause of death for humanity. Death is certain in every generation. COVID-19 is not a death sentence for our generation. Look, every one of us will stand before the Lord. Every one of us. And so when I look at this passage that we're in today, it is a call to repentance. It is a call to, to, to be right with the Lord, and this is what we must recognize, this, this Hebrews 12, 1 challenge that, that says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And in this passage of Scripture... You see, I want you to look. We're we're really going to quickly process 2 Samuel chapter sixteen through eighteen, but I'm not going to. We're not going to go through every detail because there's some details in this passage that you know what you just need to go read on your own. Because, it, but it's but let, let's understand this. It is dark. It is uncomfortable. It is one of those parts of our of our family story that we wish. I wish that wasn't in print, but it's in print for us as a warning to us. Look at chapter sixteen. It's interesting. You, you see in this in this narrative in the storyline of Second Samuel, we we saw this last week. Absalom has has is decided. I want to overthrow my my father's kingdom. Here's the problem. God put his hand on David. God said to David, you are the the anointed king in spite of your mistakes. And David failed miserably. We've looked at this sin with Bathsheba and the turmoil. Nathan, the prophet, looks at David and says, look, David, there will be turmoil in your entire household for the rest of your days. And guess what? That's exactly what was taking place. uh, Absalom, his son rebels against his dads trying to overthrow him, trying to kill him. I've looked at my son. I, I, I love my son. I had dinner with my son last night. I can't imagine that kind of turmoil with my son. But that's what's going on in David's life. And and David is on the run. He is fleeing. This king who stood in front of Goliath and all these enemies who boldly stood and and represented the Lord, he is now fleeing like like a defeated dog. He's running. Look at verse 16. Or excuse me, chapter 16, verse 5. It says this, When... When King David came to Bahariah, there came out a man of the family of Saul, of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, And he came and he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David. And all the servants of the King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and his left. Now think about this. David with his mighty men, these warriors, and this Shimei, he's throwing stones at them. He's throwing rocks at them, cursing at them, going, who are you? And, And Shimei says, verse seven, as he cursed, get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. This is the king. He says, you're a worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom uh, into the hand of your son, Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this dead, dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and take off his head. Now, I don't know if Shimei knew that this guy said that, but they're, they're walking. He's like, I'll, I'll kill him. Anybody want to kill him? They're probably like, oh, no, I'll do it. I'll go kill him. But verse 10, but the king said, what have I to do with you, sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, then who shall I say? Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone and let him curse for the Lord told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. Verse 13. So David said, David and his men went on the road and while Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust and the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan and there he refreshed himself. Uh, that's That's a crazy story. Now, let's. At first, when I read this, I thought, "Well, that's noble of David, not to go and, and and kill him." But I want you to recognize this is a broken king; he's devastated. And when I first read that, I thought, "You know, that's noble of a man who experienced forgiveness, not to take a revenge." Now, now, hear me. I don't think David should have had Shimei's head cut off. But can I tell you? I think David, right here is making a mistake. I I ended last week with something very important, and I don't want you to miss this. You see, David sinned, and he is experiencing the consequences of his sin. And folks, let me tell you something. We face consequences of sin in our lives, and God's people need to understand that. That there are consequences of sins that we commit. Now, now you know what's interesting? Is in spite of the consequences of sin that David was facing, David continually does something very important that we need to notice. In the midst of his consequences, what does David continually do? He continues to go to the Lord. And see, here's, here's the point. Here's something I don't want us to miss in this narrative, in this story, because often we we make mistakes, we fail. Every one of us can look at our lives and point to failures that we have made, and we feel the consequences even to this day. But see, one of the attacks of the enemy is Satan often tries to shame us about our past failures. And see, that's what's going on with David. David has failed, and he knows it. He remembers it. I mean, in this narrative, it's crazy, because Ahithophel, Bathsheba's grandfather, is now against David. David was, his word was like the word of God to David. Some of his most loyal supporters have abandoned him. Now this guy is cursing him, reminding David of all the mistakes that he's made. But you know what David forgot? Remember Psalm 51? In Psalm 51, David prays and he says, wash me with hyssop that I may be clean. And you know what God said to him? David, you'll face the consequences, but I forgive you. And what does Satan do? What does the enemy do over and over to us? He reminds us, of our, he reminds us often of our past failures. And see, right here, we've got to remember, point one is this. God forgives sin completely. You see, David forgot this. David was was taking on the shame, and 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 he was, you know, he forgotten that, that, that At first, as I read this, I thought, oh, that's noble of David, but but really, when you look at it, David had forgotten that his sins were 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 forgiven. This Shimei; he is yelling, "Hey, look, your 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 kingdom has been lost." But God said, "No, David, your kingdom's not lost. It's going to last forever." And see, I want us to learn from David here. We often forget the promises of God. Let's not forget the promises of God. The next time that you are are plagued by even the consequences of of maybe a sin in your life, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's it's a maybe it's a um, health issues because you've spent a lifetime overeating. Now. now uh, Look, these are long-term consequences that we face. But what's the answer in those moments? You go to the Lord. Because when you go to the Lord, guess what God does? It's like what I learned years ago with my friends that worked at Cannecuck. At Canikuk, one of the, uh, Eric Hill was one of my best friends. He was the best man at my wedding. He was the K-Life director at Cannecuck. And one of those leaders, every time they would discipline a kid at Cannecuck, they would say, these boys, they would say, you got to do push-ups. And they'd go, 50 push-ups right now. And as soon as that kid hit the ground to do push-ups, the leader got down right there and did every one of them with him. And I thought that's great leadership. Here's what God does. God says, I know you're going to face those consequences of sin, but guess what? I'm going to come and help you through it. And that's what God does. That's what David forgot. But God didn't forget. Guess what God did? There are two guys in this narrative, if you look at it. There's, there's, there's Zeba, comes in too. What is Zeba doing? Zeba is blessing David. He is helping David. Anytime you face the consequences of your own sin, let me tell you something. God is faithful to you. He does not always remove the consequences. There are times he might, but he does not always remove the consequences. But he still forgives and he helps you through it. And not only does his spirit help you, but he sends people to help you. And this is part of this narrative. Because, see, see the gift of God, it takes away our sin. And I want you to see this. This is what the scripture tells us, that that the gift of God is, it, it takes away the guilt. And this is the miracle of God. It's like one of my, my students in my year, years of youth ministry when Greg, uh, he, he was a, I invested greatly in him, and Greg was a really gifted drug dealer. And before he got saved, he got arrested. And as he got arrested, he was broken. I went to see him in jail, and, and it was one of those moments in jail where Greg got really saved. He got saved and right after he gets saved he gets he goes to his trial and man he he went to that trial and he got 99 years in prison after he got saved but i watched the lord for over a decade in prison use greg and move in his life. And though he embraced that, you know what's crazy, even that 99 year sentence, he got out in nine and a half. But, but let me tell you something, God, sometimes we have to face the consequences of sin, but let me tell you what God does, he helps us through it. And that's what, that's a lesson here. you know what one of the greatest challenges of forgiven sin is? It's forgiving ourselves. And I want you to recognize the beauty of, of, of 1 John 1, 9. You know that verse, right? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Robin and I have a very dear friend of ours who deals often with the guilt of having an abortion during her college years. And she is shamed by that moment and that that life that was in her that, that was taken. And you know what? We watched God continually remind her, look, there's healing. The scars are still there. But there's healing. And I want you to know that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God's grace is greater than your sin. And in this beautifully complex story that we often read and go, huh, I don't understand all these twists and turns of, of 2 Samuel and this darkness and this public sin and the, and, the, and, the, and the yuckiness of sin's consequences, God helps. And though we feel it, that David arrives and he's weary, God is helping him. And I want you to know that's what God does for you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God's grace is greater than your sin. And this is what the people of God experience. And this is why we must be a people that that get right with him. And in this moment, in a a world that's torn up by racism, to be a people that say, we will not be that way. We will not be a people that are are racists. And we will look at that in our own hearts. I mean, this week, my son and I are having lunch in Tulsa on the back of my pickup. And, and, and we are just talking about, let's try to identify even the racism that, we, that are in our hearts. And we just were able to very quickly go, that's kind of a racist tendency right there, this expectation. And, and let's root this out. In our hearts let's be a church that is part of the solution and I look at what what we are about to experience right now hiring the first Hispanic staff member to begin a a a, a, a service in a completely different language in our own church folks let's be honest about our sin you see in this narrative this even the text we read today, Absalom is in rebellion. He, he's like, I'm taking over the kingdom. Dad, you are, you're a failure. I'm in charge. And, and Absalom, what's he doing? He's not only rebelling against his dad. Do you know who he's rebelling against? God. Because who is, God is the one that said to David, I am establishing your kingdom in spite of your failures. And Absalom, he rebelled against the will of God. Point two in this narrative, in this very complex chapter 16 through 18, we see that rebelling against the will of God never ends well. And we got to know that. Even as believers, we have to know this because, because so often, even as believers in Jesus, we have a tendency to flirt with sin and rebel against God. And this is why we've got to hear this call to repentance, to be the believers who say, God, we will walk with you. We will will hear you. We will respond to your voice. You see, Absalom, look at at chapters 18. It says, we read in verse 9, Absalom was riding on his mule when he happened to meet David's soldiers. When the mule went under a tree tangled in branches of a large oak tree, Absalom's head was caught fast in the tree. Now, we know about Absalom. The Bible says that his hair was was noticeable about his life. They said he was a man with no blemish. I mean, if Absalom walked in this room, every woman, including my wife, would go, hmm, look at that guy. Even though I'd go, hey, honey, hey. She'd be like, what? Look at that guy over there. No, no. okay, she wouldn't do that. So I'm in trouble. I, that's not in my notes. It's not in my notes. Hey, come on. I haven't preached to people in a long time, so sorry. Um, Absalom was a good-looking guy. Let's, let's go there. He's a good-looking guy. And he had noticeable hair. I, I, I don't know how this looks good, but, but all of a sudden it's so big, his hair is so big, It got caught in a tree and he got stuck in the tree by his hair. I hope I get to see the video in heaven, but that's what happened. And it says, um, verse 10, one of the men saw him and informed Joab, he said, I just saw Absalom hanging in an oak tree. He said, you saw him? Joab exclaimed, why didn't you strike him to the ground right there? I would have given you 10 silver pieces and a belt. And the man replied to Joab, even if I had the weight of a 1,000 pieces of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For we heard the king command you, Abishai and Attai, protect the young man Absalom for me. If I had jeopardized my own life, nothing is hidden from the king, you would have abandoned me, Joab. Joab said, I'm not going to waste time with you. Then he took three spears in his hand and thrust them into Absalom's chest while Absalom was still alive in the oak tree. Ten young men who were Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom, struck him, and killed him. Joab blew the ram's horn, and the troops broke off their pursuit of Israel because Joab restrained them. They took Absalom and threw him into a large pit in the forest and raised up a huge mound of stones over him. And all Israel fled, each to his own tent. You know what's interesting about this passage? There's some some little things to notice. We saw this in Jesus. We see this in David. What did a king ride on? A king rode on a donkey. What's Absalom riding on? He's riding on a donkey. That's significant because Absalom is saying, I am the king. And God was like, no, you're not, you're not. David's the king. See, rebelling against God doesn't work out, doesn't. We, We should always take God at his word, always. We should never fight against the plan of God. I wanna challenge us as believers to never fight against the plan of God. And let me tell you something, all through history, we see believers fighting against the plan of God. Let me tell you something, governments have fought against the plan of God and governments that do that fall. Men and women, leaders fight against the plan of God and it never works out. We must Never be at churches. Fight against the plan of God. And we should never do that. And this is what's happening. But see, here's what Scripture reminds us. Point three is important. Scripture constantly reminds us that Jesus is our greatest need. You might be going, okay, Chris, we've been at Absalom and David and sin, and but Jesus is our greatest need. Well, let's... Let's put on some glasses here, but not just reading glasses. Let's put on spiritual glasses. If we we could take spiritual glasses and just put them on and see what God sees, let's notice a couple of things. Absalom's struggle is he's like, God, my plan is better than your plan. My way is better than your way. Let's feel this for a second. Aren't we all like Absalom? Aren't we all that way? I mean, we can look, and when you get into the details of chapters 16 through 18, we look at Absalom, and, that, and it disgusts us. As I was talking about this sermon with, with Brad, he was like, you can't talk about all that. There's kids in the room. Go read it. Because when I look at Absalom, it disgusts me. Because publicly, he shamed the king. In a public display, he, he intentionally shamed the king. You know what I've thought about about in my life the times I've been on a tennis court and I publicly shamed my king because what has come out of my mouth the times in my life I've privately shamed my king because of my rebellion and folks see when you look at this narrative, it's messy. And you know what we need to do? We need to struggle through scripture. And you know what? We need to experience the struggles in Scripture. Does that make sense? This is a struggle in Scripture where where Absalom is is this really clear picture of us as you and I. As the people of God want to replace Him as King in our own lives. And I pray that we see this tendency. And that we recognize, God, we we need you. And and I'm I'm constantly reminded that, that the gift of salvation is greater than I deserve. That's true for you too, right? The gift of salvation is greater. And we deserved. And in spite of, of our failures, in spite of all of our failures, I'm amazed that God's not finished with us yet. And I can't help but, but, but look at Absalom. And, and here he is. He's hanging from a tree by his hair. This, this guy, this guy that wants to be king, he's hanging by the tree, by this tree. And, and then, a, then a spear comes from Joab, Joab and hits him right in the heart. I can't read that and not think about the king of all kings who went to a tree. The thing is, he he wasn't going to that tree because of his rebellion. He went to that tree because of my rebellion. And, and, and his wound of that spear going into his heart wasn't for his sin, it was for mine and yours. And I, and I pray that we can see with these spiritual glasses this king of all kings who, who came for you and for me. And it moves me as a, as a follower of Christ to say, Lord, uh, I give you everything I give you all that I have, all that I am. I give to you all that I hope to be. I give to you, Lord. You know, this morning, I'm, I was up pretty early because of just the bigness of this day. And I was just out walking. I, walked, I was out with my dog on the golf course at Bailey Golf Course because I lived by there. And I was just praying and thinking about my weekend, thinking about what I did Friday night. Friday night, I stood right here. And a question was asked of me. Who gives this woman to be married? And I said, her father and I. No, I'm just kidding. I said, her mother and I her mother and i and i put my daughter's hand in the hand of nathan kykendall and i gave my daughter away and we had a moment a difficult moment right outside in the in the under the awning Because the wedding was over, and the reception was over, and people were lined up with sparklers. And my bride, who looked stunning, like she does today, said, let's go to the truck and say bye, and it hit us like a brick. we're saying bye to our daughter. And it was, it was like a brick. But as I was praying about that today, the Lord said to me, yeah, Chris, you gave your daughter away. But look, your family increased by one, but not only by one, because if, if the Lord does what I think he's going to do, I'm going to be married to a grandmother pretty soon. Not, not in nine months, okay? Not in nine months, so don't, let's not tweet any of that. Um, but, but you know what? Not only did we gain by one, we gained exponentially. You see, that's what happens when you give to the Lord. When you give your life to the Lord, you think you're not giving it away, you're gaining. Why would you stay away from the Lord? Why why would we rebel against the Lord? Let's repent. Let's live as the people of God. Look at the days that we're in. God has called us to these days. God has entrusted us to these days. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're gonna have an invitation right now. And you know what? In a world even of social distancing, that's one of the questions that people asked. Yeah, we're not taking offering like we've normally done. There's those boxes all over the place. Or you can give online like our family did this morning. But, but let me tell you something we're not gonna stop is invitations. Because these altars are open. And, and, and let me tell you something, you cannot, I don't feel I could ever preach the word of God without highlighting, not my invitation, but his That opportunity to respond to his voice. And I, are you today in need of the forgiveness of Christ in your life? When I said and I talked about Jesus hanging on a tree, maybe it was the first time you said, Lord, that's for me. Come to him. If you come to him, he will not turn you away. He will not. Maybe you're here and you've recognized sin in your life that you need to repent of. Maybe you've been like Absalom and you have, you're have you trying to be the king of your life. Come to him. Robin's going to be down front, as if you want to talk to a lady. Brad's going to come down front. We invite you to come. Would you stand where you are? If you're online, there's somebody online right now that will say, I'm here to help you. And you could type something or you could call that number that's on the screen. But, but I pray you respond to the voice of God. Lord Jesus, would you move us right now? Thank you that we are back today in person. And Lord, give us wisdom in these days. We need wisdom. We've never been in these days, but I'll tell you, Lord, we trust you. And I pray that we would be believers that are repentant, that are not fighting against your will and your plan. We're obedient to you. Lord, move us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.